Good morning, Matt. Good morning. I'm self-conscious about that good morning now because I've listened to, um, you know, all our previous episodes because I'm like mm. that. And uh, every one of them starts with good morning, Matt. That's the, that's our thing. Well, that's how the, re- the listeners know that they're listening to the right podcast. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Consistency is important. That's true. That's true. And so therefore we're really stuck. If we go to nighttime, we're still going to have to say good morning. Well, we just need to pick a time zone that's appropriate because um, it's always morning somewhere. Right. Right. Good. Good morning, Greenwich Mean Time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, welcome, everybody. Um, this is what the if if. <laughs> If you contributed, uh, we don't have a contribution fund set up. <laughs> if you did, we could do a real reverb on that. That, that. <laughs> Instead, I'm faking it. Anyway, welcome to What the If. Um, so glad you tuned in. Um, it makes getting up in the morning just to do, rolling out of bed to do this podcast, totally worth it. Um, quick shout out to all of you who've listened more than once, perhaps, if this is not your first episode. Um, we would love to hear from you. I really am dying to know, you know, what people are thinking. Are you enjoying it? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, send us an email. We have a brand new email address, feedback at whattheif.com. Feedback at whattheif.com. If you forget and you just go to whattheif.com, our website, there's a contact button there. Uh, we also uh, would love iTunes reviews. Uh, I discovered this week, um, <laughs> talking to, uh, uh, Darman, I think was his name, uh, uh, a friend on Twitter, a uh, friend of the show, um, who wanted to write an iTunes review. <laughs> and neither of us realized how hard it is, actually, if you're the uninitiated, um, surprisingly un-Apple-like. Um, so I've created, by the way, oh, Matt, I can tell you, I um, found some kind of little service that gives you a website, a link. You can mm-hmm. create a link that goes bang right to the um, thing. So on Twitter... We are What The If Show. What The If Show, all one word. Um, go to us there. And honestly, if you just write something there and uh, tell us how you like the show, that's okay. If you can go to iTunes, if you can figure that out, you win a shout out. Actually, anyone, if you send us an email, if you uh, tweet about us, um, or if you post a review on iTunes, all of you, if you contact us, you get a shout out on the show. Yep. So we'll speculate how, how about do, what happens to you in some other universe. Yeah, that's right. Oh, right. You get. <laughs> you get if. Man, that's so much better. You get, um, <laughs> you get if. <laughs> we can't tell you what you get. If, but, <laughs> but, but there uh, will be ifing. And we take requests. I've, I'll sure. say that too. Um, yep. But the hell, we'll give away the store. Um, <laughs> we'll mow your lawn. Uh, so, um Thanks for tuning in. This is a show. If you haven't been here before, thank you. Welcome. Thank you for sitting through that little uh, plea. Um, how would you describe the show, Matt? Oh, dear. Um, we, uh, I don't know. It's kind of improv science fiction, right? We, we sort of take some scientific ideas and, and, and run with them with a little bit of a twist. So what if the fine structure constant of the universe was 1 over 136 instead of 1 over 137? Um, or what if there were giant space-borne bacteria? Right. 
And then we run with that and we see uh, what kind of a world we're living in by the end of it. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And I learn a lot from you, Matt, Professor Matt mm-hmm. of NYU, uh, uh, historian of science True. Um, and professor of uh, you profess things. Um, I profess many things. <laughs> great things at uh, NYU. And um, in the sto- when we do that, when we improvise the story, uh, you mentioned the fine the fine constant of the universe. Is that what you said? I see. I can't. Uh, the fine structure constant. The fine yeah. structure constant. I learned what the hell that is, <laughs> <laughs> and you do too. And if you already knew what it was, you get to feel superior. Yeah, that's an important component of Which, the show. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, if you're into science, that's a big that's a big exciting part of life. You get to feel superior. Um, this week, I I was there. Uh, Matt and I tried to come up with ideas for um, what we will do, what the if. Um, they are fully improvised, as we said, but we start with some idea. And uh, I figured the best, some of the best ideas are, are things that I genuinely wonder about. I mean, this is something I've wondered about since I learned about evolution. And that is that, um, this is something we've learned about even more so, I believe, in recent times. I think um, that there were... Bef- Right now, there's only Homo sapiens. That's the only human species that we know mm-hmm. about. Yeah. We've heard of Neanderthals. We right. have called some of our bosses and some of our classmates Neanderthals. <laughs> um, but they were a real species. Are they another species? Is that correct? Uh, yes, that's right. Homo neanderthalus. Yeah. Um, what, separate, what, what is the species? Is that an easy... <laughs> well, that's- that's actually a, a fairly complicated question, uh. believe it or not. Um, the sort of traditional definition of, of a species boundary would be um, inability to interbreed. So since you can't uh, produce fertile offspring with a giraffe, we say that you and a giraffe are different species. Okay. Don't um, try that at home, by the way. Don't try that at home. We're just telling yes. you now. It won't work. Um, I'm sure there's a website devoted to that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but in practice, and by practice I mean like actual evolutionary change, um, there's you get what's called speciation, um, typically by geographic isolation. So if you get two populations that are separate uh, of the take some two populations of the same species and separate them um, by you know a big river or a mountain, but they, their populations can't interbreed anymore, then over time, they're each going to differentiate very slightly. And after a certain amount of time, uh, they will be probably be unable to breed with each other anymore. And by certain amount of time, we mean like thousands of generations, right? Very, very long uh, evolutionary periods of time. Um, and then we feel confident declaring different species. But of course, there's going to be a moment before that when they can still interbreed, but they're distinct in morphology or behavior or whatnot. Um, so it's clearly a hazy line, right? That's kind of the whole point of natural selection is that a species is a thing in flux and it does not a well-defined term. That must make for some pretty um, disturbing babies during the flux period. Well, and I should say you were, you know, you were just mentioning um, your boss, so Neanderthals. Yes. Right? Um, and the not my current boss, th- not my current boss. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> an, un, an unnamed number of bosses ago. Uh, 
that's the last few years, there's been really remarkable genetic studies of um, early humans, that is us, uh, suggesting that uh, we interbred with Neanderthals um, pretty thoroughly. <laughs> pretty thoroughly. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they appreciated that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, um, now, now, if we interbred with them, does that mean that... Um, so we be, we are actually there. We are the offspring of earlier Homo sapiens who were doing that interbreeding with Neanderthals, right? So are we? Yeah. We are part Neanderthal then. In other words, yep. we merged. This, this species merged. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, that's right. So, and then it probably you'd have to get a, a proper evolutionary biologist to ask about this, but there must be some sense of um, the you know when you get two populations like us and the Neanderthals um, interbreeding, one of them dominates in genetic terms, right? So mm, we, mm, we, the descendants of those two groups, look more like the Homo sapiens than we do like the Homo neanderthalus. So we say that we absorbed the Neanderthals. Um, but basically there's, you know, there's sequences of your DNA that... Uh, came from Neanderthal populations and not Homo sapien populations some number of generations ago. That's cool. Your eyebrows, yeah. pretty much, I think. That yeah, seems I to be totally the defining feature of Neanderthals. Not uh, yours the, yes, specifically, the, ones. The brow ridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Mike, I had this question. I, remember, I, I can't remember what grade it was where we learned evolution. Maybe fifth, fourth, fifth grade. I don't know. Um, but... At some point, you realize as a kid when you're learning evolution, or whenever you learn it, um, that it, it, it will feel like, because the way they teach it often is that evolution led to us, and right. they don't look forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes a little bit of extra thinking. But at some point, I realized that, um, probably sitting alone in the cafeteria, <laughs> looking at Neanderthals who were about to come over to my table and perhaps beat me up. Um, we are still evolving. So if those guys could just wait like another million or two years to get to mm-hmm. my table, I could kick their butts. Uh, well, possibly, but of course they're going to be evolving at the same time, <sighs> Darn it. right? This right. is always the trick. Um, but, and as you say, you know, one of the, the big insights of evolution as a concept is this idea that our species are in flux still. Um, and we're not, we as a species are going to be different in a thousand generations or 10,000 generations. Um, and that's sometimes hard. So like a lot of early versions of evolution assumed that evolution was all about getting to humans. Like, sure, species changed over time, but the, the, the point of it was to produce humans. Um, and, and then the Darwin's great insight was to reverse that and say that the the important point about evolution is not where we're going, but where we're coming from. So instead of stressing what we're evolving into, you stress where we evolved from, and then there's no way to tell kind of what it's going to be like from here on out. Right. And, but the one thing we could say is that, um, Darwin showed that evolution it doesn't move forward or backward in, in, in any, right? It doesn't have any right. sense of progress or anything like that. It's mm-hmm. a, there's no judgment. <laughs> and uh, so as far as we know, that's a whole nother, a whole nother uh, 
creation story. But yeah. um, it moves towards fitting the environment better. Right. It is um, uh, based. The way I think about it is evolution changes changes the species to produce more children that won't starve to death. Oh, and good. that's pretty much it. So usually, as you say, that's an environmental constraint. So if, you know, the fruit is higher in the trees, then taller children will be less likely to starve to death and their children will be taller and so on. So the species gets taller over time um, and not because the humans are mating with giraffes, but just because of these natural selection processes, right? Uh, but the giraffe, if the giraffe fad takes off, that could be danger right there. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> for both, for both of us. Species. Um, yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know. Can we, I don't know if we can figure out some way to monetize that. I guess. Long well, ago. if we had giraffe people. Oh, okay. Uh, so that leads me to the what the if. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah, kind of funny. It. Suddenly appeared. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my question wasn't, are we evolving? You know, we are. Um, you could do a whole thing on, you know, what might people evolve into. Uh, we could do that sometime. But the thing that really uh, made me curious uh, as a kid, perhaps even slightly disturbing, was that there are, we're not the only uh, creatures on the earth evolving. Everything is evolving. Right. That's that's this whole dynamic race to every species against every species. Right. And it's... Isn't it possible, if not likely, let's assume that we don't destroy the Earth for our habitability. Mm Because I think, right, let's just say one quick thing about global warming and that kind of thing is that it wouldn't destroy the Earth. It'd just make it inhabitable for people. Over civilization, yeah. Yeah, other things might continue. But, um, Mm -hmm. so we, we, we continue. Evolution is allowed to continue for however long it takes. It's possible that, like, when the dinosaurs were here... Um, mam- the only, m- or there were these little tiny mammals that were like mice. Yeah. Right? Right, yeah. Mice, squirrel type mammals. Yeah. And, um, they lived happily together, presumably, but then the dinosaurs got wiped out by a meteor. Uh, asteroid, but yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. asteroid. I'm sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, asteroid, a uh, quick glossary check. What? <laughs> so uh, a meteor is any big thing streaking down through the sky. So it could be an asteroid or a comet. But a meteor just means a celestial body kind of smashing uh, through our atmosphere. Asteroid means an asteroid is a rock. Asteroid is a rock. Right. Um, it wasn't a rock. It was a rock lobster. Yes. <laughs> Musical interlude. Um, so the dinosaurs get wiped out and presumably, we think, um, those little mouse squirrel creatures evolved into many things, but uh, people being one of them. Yeah. And um, so there's another creature, perhaps a very uh, humble creature like the mouse was to the dinosaur that exists on the planet mm-hmm. now that could evolve. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I think the thinking about the... The Jurassic mice is helpful, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we know that the least scary Spielberg movie, by the way, <laughs> Jurassic mice. <laughs> that was actually his first version, and uh, right. the, the studio was like, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, so, so we know that you know, in in some kind of weird metaphysical sense, that those mice had the had the potential to evolve into creatures like us, who could then build 
you know, machine guns and nuclear bombs and wipe out the dinosaurs. Mm. So you can imagine. So let's just let's just diverge the asteroid that kills the dinosaurs and just kind of let the clock run for a while. Mm. So you say, so we know that it's possible for them to evolve into us and build machine guns. Um, but will they? And the answer is probably not because if the, because the dinosaurs dominate, uh, the food chain, for instance. So those mice have to get, um, bigger and more complicated, uh, without getting eaten by the dinosaurs. So they're competing with the dinosaurs. So they're scavengers, right? They just eat garbage that's kind of left over. Um, oh, see, those, the mice, those uh, little mice couldn't evolve brains. They well, need- is that they, they presumably they would need to get bigger and evolve larger brains, right? right. And then right. opposable thumbs and things like that. Right. Um, and, but in order to do that, so, you know, we humans did that in very particular circumstances on the African savanna, right? Um, and one of the reasons we, we could be leisurely and evolve opposable thumbs, uh, was that enough of us were not eaten by apex predators. So leisure, leisure time actually led to something productive. And leisure by leisure time, I mean, essentially lying around and having babies. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Before the internet, I don't know what people did. (laughs) Um, so the, the, the question would be, so at some point, um, as those little mice got bigger and smarter, they would begin competing directly with the dinosaurs for certain, say, velociraptors. Oh, right. Um, right. Um, so velociraptors are already pretty good at eating the things that these proto-humans might want to eat as well. So then we're competing with them for resources. Right. So... If uh, the, the, the sort of technical way to think about this would be that that ecological niche, the ecological niche that humans would fill is already filled by a dinosaur. Mm. So there aren't there probably won't be spare resources that humans could use to kind of fuel their own evolution. Um, so that would mean we would have to displace whoever's already in that niche to take it over for ourselves. Uh, so th- there's some kind of minimum threshold for um, basically becoming, uh, you think it's the opposable thumb leads to the brain maybe? Or? Well, this, this is a, yeah, this is an endless question. I think is, right. you know, do, do, do our big brains let us make tools or was it the habit of making tools that made our brains bigger? Right. But whichever one, um, whichever one of those, let's assume it was one before the other and yep. there was some threshold that had to be reached Mm-hmm. And that means um, size. You know, if it was just the thumb, that could happen on a very tiny creature. Yep. Sure. That's right. If you think of like a, um, oh, what are those little uh, mammal things? Lemurs, right? Yeah. They've, got, they've got thumb-like things, right? Um, it is a little hard to imagine a lemur competing in a meaningful way against dinosaurs, Right. Ah, that's the thing. By a Tyrannosaurus. Right. Interestingly, that's the th- right. Humans, <laughs> if you put your mind to it, but the, but the animals don't have an ability to put their mind to it unless I don't know, they, they have short-term thinking. Maybe. Well, that's right. It's kind of begging the question there, right? Right. Um, but it's uh, so. I think what it, what it comes down to is a 
you know, we only, we meaning mammals, only come to rule the planet because the dinosaurs got wiped out and left lots of empty ecological niches for us to, to fill up. Right. And, and without those empty niches, um, it's much harder to move uh, for a species to kind of um, uh, change in this evolutionary way. Right. So, so you can, but you know, you can come up with a scenario, right? So let's say uh, the mice on Hawaii, you know, are able to have an, an, an unmolested five million years of evolution. Right? And right. then uh, could they, and then they invent uh, um, canoes and spears and then they go and, you know, try to reclaim the mainland or something. I don't know. I guess it's not impossible. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, just, but, but, just to flip it, I want to jump, jump to the present. If, if um, okay. the idea would be then if there were to become looking forward, if another species um, were to evolve, along with us in the future, yeah. then we would have to leave some niche open. Yeah. Do we That's think right. that we, in the Anthropocene era, as we call it now, yeah. then the era of man and woman, um, do we occupy all... Well... We, we only yeah, we eat certain occupy things. A, yeah, a lot, but we do... A lot, right? Essentially, right. industrialization right. has kind of taken over uh, a lot of niches. But so let's imagine, um, let's hear what's a species that would be likely to compete with us in the future? Cats. All right. Yes. So is, yes. is it possible yes. that cats could evolve and displace us as the dominant species on the planet? Yes. Because certainly they want to, right? Right. Uh, and they think that should be the case. So they're likely enemies. Um, so, you know, let's think about where cats live today. They, you know, if, if they're domesticated, we feed them. And if they're not domesticated, they eat, you know, small rodents and birds and things like that. And they do just fine. Um, but since evolution is a gradual process, it's not going to be the case that my cat wakes up tomorrow and figures out how to use a machete. Okay. Oh. Uh, but rather his children, uh, assuming they're sort of going this direction evolutionarily, his children will be a little smarter than he is. And frankly, that's not hard. He's a pretty dumb cat. Um, <laughs> and then, and then their children will be a little smarter than them and so on. So this maybe, is an optimistic view of children. I, I think it's very <laughs> a thousand years, a thousand generations down the line. Um, there will finally be a cat smart enough to use the machete. But of course, uh, over those thousand generations, it's not like humans have been asleep and like not paying attention, right? So we will, we notice that cats will be getting smarter right, right, and smarter right. and paying more attention to bladed weapons. Um, and presumably at some point, we would decide as a species that they are a serious competition for us. Right. Oh, uh, actually, this reminds me, and this seems like a ridiculously obvious fact, but it just... It, jumped out at me of course that we are at war with species all the time yeah. certainly we've just, we've insects just and rodents <laughs> we've just won a lot of those wars right we've won the war on tigers okay yeah 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 but on rats or something it's, rats, it, that's it's right. like a we're stable we're at a yeah that's right so stalemate, actually, maybe. that's right so rats you could I, I think might be an interesting uh, case for our future nemesis um, because we can't really, uh, we, we have not been very successful 
in controlling them. So, you know, they live in environments where it's difficult for us to, to operate easily and um, right, they reproduce right. really fast. Right. So, and even if we notice that rats were getting smarter and smarter, um, it might be difficult to do anything about it in a meaningful kind of way. At a certain point, they'll be so smart that they'll know not to show their hand and they'll be building well, secret yeah. things. Um, yeah, that's right. They'll just take over, um, yeah, the six train or something yeah, and right. <laughs> they'll be, <laughs> they'll be building their little power armors. Um, and then they just pop out one day. Um, now how about and, a- apes, um, yeah. or chimpanzees, mm-hmm. you know, the whole monkey, uh, world. That's, right. that's the depth of my biology. Yeah, all them monkeys. Um, I guess chimps seem the most human chimps or apes. I'm not sure. Um, mm-hmm. One of those would seem the most logical ones to evolve. Like they are just um, a little bit behind us maybe. Well, and I think that this is one of the interesting things that happen is that um, they're so similar to us that we would compete very directly and they would have, (gasps) and they would have a hard time. Right. So like I said, rats are different enough. That they can sort of, uh, they can hang out in a different ecological niche um, and then maybe kind of get smarter through that. Um, But, you know, if chimps suddenly started getting smart enough um, to to seriously rival us as human beings, we would just wipe them out. Right. That would be that would be a very very short battle. Yeah, exactly. So so the Planet of the Apes scenario, if you'll, you know, at least the modern... uh, reboot of it mm-hmm. also in addition to chimps getting smart also has a, a plague that you know wipes out most of humanity right and and that's a plausible way to think about it right so if human beings get knocked back right from our current seven billion or so to you know a few thousand survivors then yeah now we've suddenly got a really big open uh, ecological niche that you could well imagine um, primates moving into. Oh, it's interesting. Actually, if you look back across time, um, you go like to the natural history museum and you look at one of those timelines of life on earth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess that there are these major distri- d- disruptions. Right. Yeah. These major extinctions. Um, yeah. and depending on how you count, but there's like a handful of them over the course of geologic history when, um, Life, life sort of gets rebooted, right? There are these right. massive extinctions. Um, and then what comes out of, what comes to dominate after that next extinction tends to be pretty different. Um, even though it's still, it's still, you know, it's based on the same biochemistry and still uses DNA and so on. Um, but once you get this open evolutionary space, life kind of goes crazy. And they're like, all right, let's try eyes. Right. And uh, right, right, right. <laughs> interesting. let's see if tails get us anywhere. Right. Um, and this is this is actually an interesting point of, of debate within the evolutionary biology community is um, if you rewound the videotape of life, like to one of those ma- moments of extinction cool. and then played it again, yeah. would you end up with the same kind of critters? So if we if we rewind life to 65 million years ago to the KT extinction when the dinosaurs die um, and then let, and then kind of start the movie again. Will we end up with Steven Spielberg after 65 million years? And this is sort of the, if, if you think of 
the the primary force of evolution is being kind of random chance and flukiness, then you say, no, it'll be something totally different. Right. Right. It'll be it'll be a chicken or a spider or something we can't even imagine. Right. Um, but if you think that the dominant force in evolution isn't randomness, but rather environmental constraint, then you say, well, the environmental forces are still pretty much the same. So you're going to get something like Steven Spielberg. Um, like, you know, George Lucas. Interesting. Interesting. But he's a giraffe. And <laughs> talk about trying to have to see over the heads of people in the movie theater. I mean, it's oh, really going to be a disaster. Yeah. It's really going right. to be tough. Um, you know, and getting your 3D glasses on without hands is going to be tough. But nonetheless, <laughs> he, Spielberg will figure it out. Um, so I should say the classic writer on this is um, the late Stephen Jay Gould, who is an right. evolutionary biologist who wrote beautiful, beautiful essays and books um, about biology and natural history. And this was one of he was one of the fluky people. He, he always wanted to stress the, the the weirdness and chance natures of life. Right. Um, he called it dissent but, with. Uh, right, he had an expression. It was uh, uh, punctuated equilibrium. Punctuated equilibrium. Yeah. Right. So he wanted to stress that things pretty much stay the same for long periods of time. And then suddenly there was great, great amounts of change and then things kind of hung out again. Um, but it's important to remember that when when you're reading him, that not all biologists agree. Right. There's definitely different camps mm, mm, mm. about that. So, you know, he would he would stress that if you replay um, the the video of life, you could get something totally different. And then one of his his enemies might say, well, yeah, it'll look different, but I'll bet it'll have eyes. Right? Interesting. Eyes, Interesting. Eyes are a really good adaptation that appear multiple times independently um, in the history of life on Earth. So whatever it is, it's going to have eyes. I don't know if it'll have two. I don't know if it'll have four. Right. But it's going to have something like an eye. Right. And it's probably going to have something like feet because feet are great. Right. Or what if, uh, a whole nother what if, what if the thing that evolved, the first thing it could sense was gravitational waves? Be, <laughs> first of all, they'd have a problem with sensory overload, I think. But um, um, Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, so, um, now, it's yeah. interesting you talked about the change in, in um, what, one, one thing we know, what, what kickstarts a um, new species, let's say, um, having a good run for it, is that the only reason a new species is going to come about is because the environment, the ecosystem that they're in has changed. And this is like, all right, whoever's going to be the most fit for this ecosystem right. is going to win. Um, and I love the idea that when you're talking about rats, that humans, we are changing the environment radically. Mm -hmm. And whether it's building tunnels or pouring uh, carbon dioxide into the air. Um, it's possible that we will just do something that some other species, I think maybe this is what you were saying earlier, mm -hmm. will suddenly be like, whoa, this is perfect for us. So perfect. Yeah. take over. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, as Unwitting. you mentioned, you know, a little while ago is that, you know, mosquitoes say, right. So if we're, <laughs> if we're, if we've managed to engineer a hotter, wetter world, that's a really good world for mosquitoes. Um, and if it so happens that, you know, mosquitoes and mosquitoes are good disease vectors. So we might, it might suddenly be the case that even though we don't compete directly with mosquitoes, um, suddenly we've created a whole new environmental, 
situation in which they can thrive so radically that we get thrown under the bus, as it were. Yeah, that's interesting. And and even if it was more, um, a little bit more Hollywood-esque, uh, mm-hmm. other species, um, let's say large enough, uh, at least our size, or, well, let's say at least half our size to mm-hmm. anywhere, dinosaurs. Um, although to get to dinosaur size, they'd have to really get past us. So I suppose that we, yeah. they'd already won maybe at that point. But uh, anyway, the, this other species is, is growing. Let's say they are some kind of ped, biped, <laughs> tripod, whatever. And they have opposable thumbs and they have brains and, and all that. Um, what's interesting is that unlike, I, like I could imagine a Hollywood version of this would be, you know, like all the humans have guns and it's like uh, walking dead or something. Let's say it's not yet apocalyptic, okay. but walking dead in the sense that there are two kinds of species on the planet and mm-hmm. we have guns and we run around and, that's how we fight like a, like a a human war. But in fact, it really probably be be some kind of totally weird, um, maybe like they call it asymmetrical or like the rats. Um, let's say if if it was rat, let's say if it was mole rats, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, who live in tunnels, right. And actually are said to be pretty smart. Um, they would just like be building a whole civilization underground and could be destroying our civilization without caring about it. Oh, sure. Yeah. And the way we destroy everything, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, imagine, um, you know, mole rats evolved to uh, uh, eat petroleum directly. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and suddenly they start, uh, they start tunneling into, you know, all of our petroleum storage uh, facilities right. which are largely underground and start eating the petroleum. So there's a scale problem here, so it wouldn't really work, but we can sort of imagine it. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, our, our petroleum reserves vanish, not because mole rats hate us or because they're trying to kill us off, right? Um, uh, but just because they happen to evolve a little quirk. Um, right. And also it, it, it's a double whammy because we lose petroleum, but also it's a huge burst to their growth. That's right. Yes, they, they would <laughs> multiply as well. Um, oh, that's and interesting. That be, yeah. So and unless then, we can eat mole rats then. Yeah. Now, the interesting there is it doesn't involve intelligence. So I would push it one right. more step and say mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the kind of thing that could happen through mindlessness. Although I suppose you could, <laughs> with a really far out perspective, uh, you could maybe see what we're doing as a mindless thing, not different from, in other words, the mole rats are consuming, basically, mm-hmm. consuming and breeding. Right. I suppose you could say that that's what we're doing, too. Yeah, I mean, sure, if, um, uh, you know, ants build structures the way we build structures. Right, and, right. And farms are just convenient places to store food and have sex in the same way that Manhattan is a convenient place to store food and have sex. So uh, you can imagine that from sufficient distance, yeah, we just look like um, we're, we're a weird species that processes hydrocarbons um, and, you know, explodes our population. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe that's just the thing that happens sometimes in the universe. Right. So maybe intelligence, all that intelligence is, is 
creatures who can deceive themselves into thinking they're doing it on purpose. Well, and then so that <laughs> that then gets us into uh, sort of philosophy of mind territory in which we, you know, you feel like you have intentionality. You're making choices about what you do, um, but you can make a strong philosophical case that that's actually not true, that your body just does whatever it does and you just fool yourself into thinking that you're in charge. Right, right. All right. Now, fast forward, fast forward round. Okay. Um, what the if, 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 if. Um, again, contribute. Uh, I have no way for you to send his money, but do. And uh, <laughs> real reverb will happen. Um, intelligence. I mean, I think for sure, intelligence, as we know, is like a major difference. Right. Yep. And, and humans no are question. the only ones that have it uh, on the planet now, as we if as far as we know. Um, the mole rats, let's say they evolve intelligence and then it becomes uh, here's one ba- big difference with intelligence. I feel like I was sitting in Central Park one day, sitting mm-hmm. on a bench, looking up at a tree and there were two birds building a nest, two little birds building a little nest. And they were doing they would like pick up a stick and move it and then like think about something else. And then move the stick somewhere else. It was like completely haphazard, except I guess eventually, you know, they built the nest. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, even though all these actions were haphazard, they actually built it in fairly decent time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sort of like the worst workers. They're like very distracted, like, you know, like we are now with our phones. Um, yep. But they got it done. But I just kept thinking, man, if that bird just had like a plan. I mean, he could be done faster. Um, on the other hand, he might say, well, look, I only need this one. Yeah, that's right. He says, I'm fine. I'm not starving to death. Right. But don't time. you understand? You could be the king of, you could start building <laughs> nests and selling them to other birds, you see? Um, so uh, anyway, with purpose, you can be much more effective. I mean, that, that's a major difference. So yeah. if the mole rats had a goal, um, their goal would probably be the same as ours, which is like these people are, they're bothering us. Mm-hmm. Like rats don't even necessarily, rats can be fatal and all kinds of things like that. But I think the first reason we fend them off is they're just they're gross, gross. Yeah. <laughs> and <Okay>. annoying, mm-hmm. um, which is probably an instinctual thing that's built into us to yeah. protect us from them, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mole rats would do that. Um, then th- they would just be much more um, intentional about eating the petroleum. And could start to do things actually like storing the petroleum for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, that's possible. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, are they aware of what it is we do with the petroleum and why it's useful? You know, there's a lot of steps between recognizing the importance of petroleum and being able to do any, anything with it yourself. Um, like, you know, my cat knows that the fridge somehow has <laughs> food in it. Right. right. Um, but he can't, he can't open it. He doesn't know how the food gets in there. So he, right. he knows there's something important about the fridge. Um, and he knows that if I'm standing near it, then I could feed him if I was so inclined. But even if after he murders me, he's not going to get anything <laughs> useful out of the fridge. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't need it because he'll eat you. <laughs> yep. That seems entirely likely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the cats think what, what animals think is a fascinating topic. Anyway, I think, um, I feel like my cat feels like the fridge, the whole procedure of making his, uh, her food ready for her, um, mm-hmm. you know, go to the fridge, get the can, take the top off, take the lid up, put it in the bowl, wash the bowl, put it in the bowl. 
that this is just this annoying thing that this guy does <laughs> until he generates the food. Yeah. He basically just, yeah, it, the, it, food comes from him somehow. Um, cool. Well, um, ultimately the mole rats take over the earth. That's yeah. it. Uh, we're pretty much doomed. Um, they will make us build their tunnels. Not because oh, no. we do them faster than any other method they have, but it's just a way to literally keep us down. Yeah, that's right. To uh, to remind us of our hubris. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so. That's the other thing. They're not just they don't just become dominant, but they have a they're judgmental about the whole thing. They have yeah, an that's attitude. That's right. They they resent um, all those millennia in which they had to live under the ground and we had pants right Right. yeah oh the pants problem um Mm -hmm. well this is this has been fascinating i i I kind of was hoping the cats were gonna win but the mole rats (laughs) beat them out um Mm -hmm. which is just as well because you know our cats are here listening and we didn't want to give them any hope um yeah that would be a bad idea that'd be a bad Uh, idea um another great what the if uh, go to iTunes. So, I was yeah. thinking was like of all the different things I could beg the viewer for, which do I start with? Yeah. Um, go to iTunes if you can figure it out. If you're evolved enough to figure out iTunes, and I'm not <laughs> saying I am, um, go there. Uh, leave us a review. In going through that process, you will probably evolve something that will allow you to master the planet. Um, you yeah, might become least, the head of the biggest company in the world, Apple. I don't. Know. Yeah, or date giraffes. Yeah, or yeah, you know, giraffes pretty are much the same. Really, kind of uh, adorable and beautiful. That is true. Creatures. Um, I better stop before I start thinking about that too much. Um, <laughs> giraffophilia. Um, send us an email. Feedback at whattheif.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, Oh, I was going to give a shout out, by the way. The, the uh, person I was mentioning on Twitter um, goes by the uh, Twitter name Darkwind Horror. Oh, my. Um, that seems like an affable person. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming uh, male of the male species. Uh, his name is Darwin Hannon. Darwin, you've been a very good friend of the show. You're a very devoted Twitter. Um, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> And, uh, we appreciate it. And to all of you who, who are listening, if I don't know your names, um, give a shout out. Matt, thank you. Um, are you off to a meeting or off to a class? Uh, off to a class. And what is the class? Uh, predicting the future. <laughs> really? Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you've already got a head start. Let's yeah, just, just right. see if the students uh, the figure it future, out. The future is more rats. <laughs> class dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> Class called due to mole rat invasion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just a matter of time. Exactly. All right. Fabulous. I'll talk to you next week when we return to ask the biggest question in the universe. What? The. If. if, 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 if. Bye now. <laughs>